Welcome to the COSEC Show. Join the COSEC Qatari Securities team as they share their insights on the Australian share market, discussing some of their best performing companies, macroeconomic news from offshore, including local domestic news, foreign exchange, as well as commodities. If you have any questions regarding the share market, our phone lines are open. You can dial in on 1300 854 151 or alternatively, email info at cosec.com.au. Exclusively on this show, each guest will reveal their hottest stock pick. For more information on any of the topics discussed, go to cosec.com.au. The information featured in this program is general in nature and does not take into account your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Guests appearing on the program may own or have commercial arrangements with some of the companies mentioned. Before making any investment insurance or financial planning decisions, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you. Good evening, investors. My name is Will Brownlee, and welcome to the COSEX Show, where we discuss all things relevant in the market this week. Macroeconomic data, currencies and commodities, top performance of the week was, and of course, our hottest stock picks for the week to come. Before I go any further, please allow me to introduce my investment panel, resident experts on the market. To my left, back as always, Mr. Buy the Dip Dan. How are you today, good sir? Very well, mate. Very Happy good. to be here as always. Always. Is there a doctor in the house? Our doctor of mathematics himself, the uh, crazy genius himself, Dr. Adam Shadakowski. And of course, back as always, the ever mystic, Mr. Louis Mossman. How are we doing today, gentlemen? Good, good. Very good. It's Friday, so uh, Fridays are always great, but another interesting week in the markets. Mm. I'm let's, sure we can all agree. Let's yeah. unpack. I mean, let's, uh, let's dig straight into it, as always, uh, into what's sort of plaguing mm-hmm. the market at the moment. It's this unwanted sort of volatility, or wanted volatility if you're a trader. Volatility does create opportunities, of course, and it is, of course, the Russian-Ukraine tensions that are happening, invasion, war, whatever we want to call it. I'm going to go straight over to Dr. Adam Shedakowski, and he's going to give us a bit of an understanding of where we're sitting at at the moment and what's this going to move into. Yeah, so over last week, a lot of things happening. So, f- of course, we know that it is intensifying. So Russia is uh, using more troops, more vehicles, and so on. They are slowly ag- progressing, and also shelling has been intensified. On the ground, we are seeing a, a couple of examples. For example, there was a civilian air- airport that was bombed. There was a hospital, children's hospital, was bo- uh, bombed as well. Um, maternity uh, ward was bombed as well. Uh, also, we also heard that the power supply to Chernobyl was cut off and uh, Ukraine was announcing that w- by Friday or Saturday, the diesel engines will run out as well. As, however, the International Atomic em- uh, an Energy Agency they did say that should not pause. Uh, that w- that shouldn't be any like r- like disaster because of the amount of water there is there. That everything should be safe. But the fact that they are cutting off power from Chernobyl that is not a good sign. We're also hearing about people fleeing from Ukraine now, above 2 million people and above 1 million children have fled uh, Ukraine, so very very, uh, big numbers there. The issues are really that Russia is still saying, well, we don't really want to help people flee the country. They, they in fact, announced something like, you are allowed to to flee the country if you are moving to Russia <laughs> or Belarus, which which isn't really very good news, and in terms of sanctions, also a lot of b- uh, things happening. So Mastercard, Visa, American Express, stopping business, McDonald's, Starbucks, Pepsi, Coca Cola. I mean that was huge, wasn't it? McDonald's just yeah. shut down eight hundred of their McDonald's stores in in Russia. Just uh, 
Yeah, well, I, I was listening to an interview as well um, outside the McDonald's store and they were telling stories of remembering when it opened after the fall of the Soviet Union and, you know, the children to, uh, t- getting told the story about their parents. And uh, also at shopping centres, half the stores are closed. You think about it, a shopping centre, half the stores are international from overseas, the Italian luxury stores. You've got yeah. American stores, mm-hmm. German stores, and they're all closed. And for the shops that are open, there's big lines outside them because you have to go somewhere at the end of the day. So wide-ranging implications. Yeah, a lot of things happening also. And, and where are we headed to from here? Like, what's, are we just going to keep tariffing people? Where's the end? What is the end? Is it literally destruction of everything? Until well, it's I mean, end, if, let's actually have a look at a map. Uh, so there is a map of uh, what is happening in Korea right now, and we are seeing the advances in the war everywhere. So I'm not really seeing that stopping anytime soon. I, I do see this war continue uh, in the short term and also medium term as well. And uh, sanctions, they will intensify slowly and gradually in, in line with what, at least that's what I'm expecting. Yeah, yeah. Well, at the start, I think the most commentators thought that it'd be a, very much a war of, uh, sorry, a blitzkrieg, uh, as they called it, of Ukraine, where mm-hmm. Russia would storm in, take the country and be done with it that way. But at the moment, it's turning into a war of attrition instead, where it's being a long a dugout war. We're seeing all of these cities are uh, being fortified by local Ukrainians uh, and the men and I suppose teenage boys as well taking up arms, women as well taking up arms. Well, to just uh, advertising the streets like come get a rifle, come fight for your country. Well, 100% you know, just- and they're also looking at releasing prisoners um, from their jails that have some sort of combat experience if they are in jail to be released and to fight as well because oh, I suppose they've got to do something with the prisoners. Prisoners don't disappear when they're in, <laughs> in so, war. So, Dr. Adam, how long do you think this is going to last for? Where can we see the end? Is it going to be months, years, days? What What do we think? Are we? Was it nearly over, or should I? Uh, I, I wouldn't say nearly over. So cancel I, I, those trips that I've booked. Yeah, if you have any, any trip to Russia or Ukraine anytime soon, you should probably cancel okay, that. Right, I'll keep that. I'd say mind. the long term implications. We'll talk about the market. They might have already been priced in, but we've got to understand the, the nature of war. Things are changing every day and every week. So there could be new events, new developments, week on week that move the markets, move different sectors, impact different companies. Uh, but I think the conflict as a whole at this point, the majority of it is priced into the market. You've just got to be careful on, yeah, as I said, short to medium term, specific impacts. Very good. Thank you. Speaking of markets, let's look a little bit closer to home and in the, indeed the US. Uh, by the dip, Dan, let's talk about something that is very much dipping. And it could even keep dipping even lower. Let's talk about the uh, the tech sector because the 2017-18, certainly here in Australia, it was a brilliant run. The tech sector had Altium, it had WiseTech, it had um, you know, App and Technology. They were all skyrocketing. Now we're seeing big, big drops over in, uh, over in the US and tech is not the right place to be. We're seeing NASDAQ down 3 or 4%, nearly 3 or 4% in some cases. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's definitely one of those sectors that's underperformed here today. If you look at, I guess, the chart of the NASDAQ, at the moment it doesn't look too good. It is, I guess, starting to form a downward trend, I guess you'd say. But I think the interesting point here was we saw on Thursday a lot of Chinese companies on the NASDAQ really take a dive. And I did a bit of reading into this. There was a good article on CNBC about it, and I saw that it's to do with uh, an act that was passed in America uh, in 2020, which is called the Holding Foreign Account Act. And it's to do with uh, foreign businesses that are listed on their exchange being able to provide their financials and their audits. And I guess a lot of these Chinese companies like at this point in time actually have their hands tied. So China's laws changed in 2021. And basically what it meant was that the Chinese laws then prohibited auditors in China to provide their review to US regulatory authorities. So in that sense, I guess Chinese, uh, I guess their hands are tied. Um, and it's really interesting to see the effect on that. Um, and I guess the impact on their share price, because we did see that on Thursday, 
that was one of those times that they were failed to I guess, provide these financial statements and audits to the SEC. <laughs> and then we did see an impact on Thursday. We did see, obviously, the NASDAQ was quite heavily down and these tech um, these Chinese tech companies really drove that. There was, uh, Xilab was one, it was down 9%. Uh, Yum China was down 11%. And ACM Research was down 22%. So... At the moment, it's it's something that's only really started and since 2021. And this is just because of bans and stuff that are Yeah, so the, the Chinese laws and yeah. the American laws really aren't matching up. There's not much they can do. We're seeing five companies at the moment aren't able to adhere to that, uh, but that only started as of last year. So we're seeing that if you can't comply with these laws for three years, you then become delisted. So as wow. of 2024, we could see some of these companies... But if this war continues to go on, we could see some pretty big monuments. Yeah, so there's some pretty big impacts there. And it's also causing, I guess, a, a lot of dual listings as well. We've seen a lot of big companies out of China dual listing in Hong Kong. Yeah. Uh, as, I guess, you know, these these regulations sort of, I guess, are, are driving their share price down in the US. So we're seeing Alibaba, uh, JD.com, uh, BillyBilly, Trip.com and Weibo have all dual listed in Hong Kong. Because it's, it's just, like I said, their hands are tied in the US. There's nothing really they can do. The Chinese laws uh, domestically are sort of, I guess, they're tying their hands and they, they can't do anything for the, I guess they yeah. can't provide their financials to the SEC. So yeah. not looking too good for tech. I mean, it's been a pretty poor start to the year. Um, and I guess, you know, it, it's not looking too positive. I guess when we look at the charts of these, um, you know, technical indexes, and I guess the outlook is also not really too positive oh, as well. Very good. Well, there you go. By the dip, Dan has uh, given his credence on that there. Uh, let's go over to uh, Mr. Mr. Louis Mossman. Have a chat to us about inflation. Now, I do know you love to talk about inflation, so this is one of those uh, one of those things that I'll let you unleash on a little bit. Give us a couple of minutes of what you think's happening with inflation, where you think we're headed, and indeed when you think we're going to raise uh, rates here. Yeah, of course. So a lot of the attention's been really focused on Russia, Ukraine in the last uh, few weeks. So we've actually had a bit of central bank action for the first time in the while, and in particular coming from the US and Europe in particular. So overnight in the US, they posted again another 40-year high inflation read that came in in 7.9%. Uh, now, just about the price of everything is surging. We're seeing gas, food, housing costs. They're among the most increased. Um, and as well, we've seen gas prices surge in the US. They've surged 62 cents a gallon to $4.32 a gallon. And that's before the Russia-Ukraine conflict. So just think about that. That's not even pricing in the last two or three weeks of action where the price of oil has gone up to $110, $120 a barrel. So there still could be some way to go. I do have a chart that perfectly depicts that. Um, if you look at the chart, we're going through an inflationary period that far surpasses that we saw in 2008. And we're really breaking out of this low inflation rate period, which we've seen over the last decade. Um, and I'll flow over to the second uh, area, which is Europe and the Eurozone, because they also said the same thing, was we're transitioning out of this low inflation era into a high inflation era. I've got a chart from the ECB uh, where Christine Lagarde, they actually upped their inflation forecasts for 2022. They first sat at 3.2%, as you can see on the chart, and now they've jumped up to 5.1%. But I also notice in the chart that they're very optimistic about getting it back down <laughs> under 2% the next year, which a lot of economists and a lot of pundits are saying might not be the case. So what does that open up for the ECB? They've came straight ahead and said, we're going to start reducing the balance sheet and we're going to begin tapering, which is something that I suppose we haven't heard of them do for a long time. And it doesn't really match up with what's happening in Europe because it's a very tumultuous period. Equity markets are being hit. Financial markets are un unstable, but they've made that decision to start tapering. Now inflation's high, reducing the balance sheet. What's next? It's, of course, going to be rates. Uh, now, we can all agree, I think, that the ECB is going to be very late to the party when it mm -hmm. comes to rates, uh, but they've at least taken that first step and it's very interesting. And then the final piece of central bank news uh, for the week is domestically, the RBA. 
Uh, our deputy governor, his name is Guy DeBell, he actually stood down his, from his position Another as one. deputy right. governor, leaving uh, poor Philip Lowe all by himself. Philip Lowe's only got about six months to go before he would have to resign. There's a period of, that you have to serve. But Guy DeBell recently had his period as deputy extended for five years. So he was tipped to take um, Mr. Lowe's right. spot in a couple months' time. Where has he gone? He's gone to the private sector and he's joined... Um, Twiggy Forest at the Fortescue uh, Future Industries Fund. So this is them looking, oh, trying yeah. to get in green industry and steel. So maybe a little bit more lucrative for him uh, than working in a government agency, uh, but that's in the RBA. And that's your central bank wrap for the week. Wonderful. Thank you very much for that, gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question for our panel, please feel free to take a video and email it through to info at cosec.com.au. Alternatively, dial 1300 854 Everyone who does receive a copy of our book, Stock Market Success, Retailing in Dimmicks for $39.95. In the meantime, let's move on to currencies and commodities, all things that shine, sparkle, fold, and make the world go round. But before we go to the panel, we are actually going to go straight to the street now. We went out into the beautiful... Barangaroo, Sydney Harbour today, and we asked some people about what they're thinking about inflation. Let's go to that right now. Good afternoon, investors. My name is Louis from the COSEC Show. Today we're in the beautiful Darling Harbour discussing what investors think about the price of oil inflation, but also the Russia and Ukraine conflict. First question today is inflation. We've seen in the last few months it has spiked up all over the world and in Australia. Uh, where have you seen it, if you have seen it at all? Um, well, it's meant to be bad. So that's, that's, that's the, the first step I know about it. I'm not too much of a into the finance world. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it has. Any products or services you've seen inflation spike higher for? Um, I'd probably say Netflix. Technology, I think, is, getting, is going to be higher, specifically in the chips sector i think the the lasers that are used to create those chips i think they come from russia so i think that's gonna skyrocket with um, chips yep. in the technology world so i'm actually preparing to buy it equipment you know four to five months earlier than what i actually anticipated uh yeah i think it definitely is evident in obviously in property prices or rental yields all yep. these sorts of things however um, yeah, definitely stuff like grocery stores. I, I found like your, your basket of goods has gone up probably 10 to 15% in the last 12 months or so. And um, yeah, we're likely to continue to go up. That's hidden by the numbers that the RBA have given us. They're saying 2 or 3%. You're saying 10 to 15 uh, Absolutely, yeah, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, especially fresh, fresh food. Um, you know, there's been water crises and now there's a war on fuel. Inflation, recently we've seen it spike up around the world yeah. and in Australia as well. Has it affected you in any way and where in particular? Um, more, I guess, in the car sector. I mean, obviously, petrol prices going through the roof. It's not, not ideal. Yeah, so, and you're catching the train then to work, I imagine? Or? Yeah, I mean, well, parking in the city is, uh, you know, I'm not going to pay $50 a day. So <laughs> Exactly. That's my second question, the price of oil. We've seen it spike up off the back of Russia and Ukraine. So that was the main reason you sold your car, yeah? Yeah, so I mean, you know, I'm not using the car much now these days and, you know, I can commute to the city through the train, so it's more, no point for a car really. One thing we have seen go up, and you probably noticed it recently, is the price of oil sparked by the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Are you impacted by that at all? Have you noticed it? Uh, well, I haven't filled up my car for a couple of weeks and I do not want to. Oil, it spiked up to $120 a barrel. Has it impacted you in any way? Uh, yes, it has. <laughs> Notice that the pump, do you fill up your car often? Yes, why is it like $4? Um, exactly. 
every time I fill up now, so can't afford that. For the price of oil, it's currently about $110, $120 a barrel, if you did know that. Where do you think it could go uh, if we're looking at its top price target? I mean, I'd like it to go down, but I mean, if it's more than $3 a litre, I don't think anyone's going to be driving anywhere soon. It just seems like it's just going up and up, so I reckon it could maybe hit 150 probably a lot more. You never know. I mean, prices of petrol going through the roof, so might hit $3, they're predicting. And petrol here, Sydney, over $2 now. How high do you think they both could go? Uh, I, I, I see this as being, you know, there's continuity in this problem, so it could be up to, could get up to $230, 240 I wouldn't be surprised we'll go towards $3, $350. And I think something that I was thinking about this morning, driving to work, um, I think this is a time where we should start thinking about you know, electric cars. I think if you're going to start, I think we need to start putting the accelerator on electric cars. You don't need to be a finance expert, just give us a number. What is your prediction for the price of oil? It's at 120. How high is it going to go? Oh God, four times that at least. Four times that. Well, there you have it, folks. Welcome back. What a beautiful day. Very jealous. Let's go over to our panel now. Uh, one of the big things I felt really, really obvious through there is we were talking about what do you think the price of oil can get to per barrel. A lot of people weren't even aware of well, how much it costs, but everyone knew what we were going to get our petrol to. Exactly. So everyone was just talking about that. I mean, what was what was the most? Uh, I suppose what was? It? Oh, you were there on the on the on the on the That's grounds me, as they were on the coal <laughs> face. It was it was hard. That would look like a really hard task out there. That was tough. That was a tough, tough day out, out in the sunny uh, Darling Harbour. But yeah. yeah, the one thing I did notice is the first thing you say inflation. Where you're seeing the cost of goods rising, the only thing people really thought was they went straight to petrol prices. That's where they're noticing it uh, at the pump. I do think the cost of food in Australia has gone up, but people might not notice it as much because it's really a small ticket item. People fill up their tank once a week and they're paying you know 10 to 15 percent more. They do notice that straight away. Uh, one girl pointed out Netflix costs 10 dollars more, which is true. Uh, and another gentleman. Wait, wait, so how much is Netflix now? I think it was jumped 15. To 25. So it's a 50% increase. Yeah, quite a, quite a significant jump yeah. in, in the price of subscription. But one thing for Netflix, a bit of a sidetrack, their consumers have eaten that up very well and very few uh, accounts have been impacted. So yeah, I mean, they absorb that, absorbed that price change amounts, pretty well for the company. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just in general, people don't really know what the price of oil is or where it could be going. But gas was the, uh, sorry, oil, price of petrol was the main. Dr. Adam Shodokoski, you're someone who probably does a little bit more shopping in and about the about the place than us uh, than us three. What do you see the most remarkable increase in? Well, I mean, it varies. So basically, I would say some of the places where prices go up is vegetables and fruit. Uh, another item I also noticed was actually toilet paper and tissue. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Well, that's Didn't not surprising. That, maybe. That's yeah. So well, there 30%. we go. Street. Wow, three percent. Okay, there 30. you go. Thirty percent. <laughs> Oh, jeepers. Okay, street walk, street talk. That was that one there. Let's go straight over to buy the dip, Dan. Let's talk about things that are not only dipping, but they're also dripping. That is going to be oil. Okay, give us a bit of analysis on how oil is going. It's been on a very, very strong run, up as much as 8% earlier this week in a single mm. day. Cracked the 130 kind of uh, US barrel. Dropped 10% the other day. Going around in circles. Give us your assessment. Where are we going? Yeah, I mean, talk about volatility. If you look at the oil markets this week, it's sort of the epitome of that right now. You're, you're dead right. It was up about uh, 8% to start the week in two days, and then it dropped about 15. Um, so it's been a, a pretty interesting week. I think it was a pretty flat today. It's sort of closed around $103, $104 a barrel. Last week we were talking about, I mean, I know it's dropped quite a bit, but 
if you if you told me at Christmas that we we're going to be looking within the next three months to be over a hundred dollars US a barrel, I would have said you're dreaming. Like there is no way. That Absolutely. That well, you look happen. at the, ma- the major institutions' price targets for a barrel of oil at the end of last year were anywhere between nineteen a hundred dollars was pretty much the max. And yeah. Now we're seeing Goldman reckons that it's going to average about one hundred and thirty five through this year. And um, we saw JP Morgan last week come out and say one hundred eighty five is not impossible. So lots of volatility around. And it's, then um, someone from Street Walks, Street Talks said four times, so she reckons it's going to be $400 a barrel. Well, I mean, when, when I first started driving, I thought I'd be getting a bargain when you get, you know, a, a petrol at about a dollar five a litre, mm. and now you'd be lucky to get, you know, more than double that. So it's um, obviously having a pretty big impact, but I think what we saw the big pullback for, we did see, if, I guess if you look at the chart of oil uh, really quickly, he would pull that up. You can see here, uh, there's no indicators on it, but that's now fallen to the lower Donchin channel, a technical indicator we look at, which is not a very bullish signal. Uh, it's only the second time since the 1st of December that oil has closed in the bottom Donchin channel. Wow, so, that's a good fact. Um, pretty interesting there, pretty strong pullback, and the m- most of that is to do with uh, the diplomatic talks which were happening between Russia and Ukraine uh, in Turkey, which mm-hmm. happened, I believe, mm-hmm. overnight. Um, and we also saw the UAE sort of uh, rallying uh, to OPEC to sort of start to release more supply as well. So that's why we saw a major pullback with oil. Uh, unfortunately, those uh, diplomatic talks had no result. It was quite a long meeting. And uh, we didn't really see oil bounce back off the back of that. As I said, it was pretty flat today, I think up 0.25%. But I thought what was really interesting with oil this week is that it seemed to be a little bit more disconnected from how our local market players reacted to it. So we saw, obviously, on Wednesday, oil down 12%, yesterday down nearly 4%. Mm-hmm. And then we also saw that in the US overnight, energy was the best performing sector. A lot of oil companies over there did very well. And then today, a lot of oil players did quite well. So it's been interesting, the disconnection there and the way that they're sort of working. A lot of it's probably priced in for a lot yeah, of people. Absolutely. Um, and I always think, because they, they obviously announced earlier on the week that they were mm. putting sanctions on oil. Yeah, um, exactly right. And I, a lot of that I was thinking, have they already priced that in? Is that the reason the oil has gone up so much? And now yeah. it's sort of buy the rumour, sell the fact sort of thing. Yeah, I think if you, if you look at our oil players, crew and energy is a prime example of it. The two days that oil was heavily down, they were, they were quite heavily down. I guess you could see that as a, yeah. a potential irrational sell-off. We did see a lot of buying pressure on them at the end of this session yesterday, and they were actually up today. So interesting to see the market that reaction. Our, that was our stock pick for last week. How much is it up since we mentioned it on the, on the show last week? Couldn't give you an exact figure, but it, it's done very well. It's done very sure. well. I think, I think uh, unbelievable. It was, 10%, it was I think, up 10% on uh, Monday. Uh, it was 10% so the up the day after day. we mentioned it completely. But yeah, it's, it's been interesting. I think, like I said, when you talk about volatility, uh, the oil markets at the moment are, are really sort of... Um, you know, the epitome of that. So we might get our own set of uh, bull and bear cufflinks if we're the, if we're the best. Exactly. <laughs> very, very good. Let's go over to another thing that's shiny sparkle, doesn't fold though, and that is uh, the price of gold because we are starting to see that crunching its way towards the north. We are above the 2,000 US metric tonne. So that is good. Yes, yeah. Well, we've seen it really shoot the lights out in the last week. Uh, we kind of thought that maybe everything has been priced in, but maybe not. It's shot higher again, has sold off in the last day or two, but it is above the $2,000 mark. And I think for about six months, we're, I was struggling to talk about gold yeah, at about $1,800 an ounce, and now it's shot up, uh, you know, 5 6 7%, and it's up over 12% for the year now. Uh, it's also approaching its all-time highs. It set that back in 2020 at $2,070 an ounce, and it's not too far away from doing the same. Um, I think about, I spoke about this last week for gold in particular, but over history, we have seen gold do well during periods of uncertainty, but only for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are thinking maybe this is it when it comes to gold, and maybe that's the rally done and dusted. Uh, but what people are also considering is the fact that it's combined in a period of really heightened inflation when that was the first thing that drove gold higher in the instance. So now we've got two factors, both of which are uncertain, 
both of which we don't know if can be tamed. So at the point, I don't think there's a roof on gold prices. Maybe there's resistance at 2070 an ounce, its previous high, but no roof at the moment. As I said, those two major you know, implications for gold, we don't know about. Uh, Goldman Sachs in particular, they've set their price target for year end at 2,500 an ounce. So that's adding an extra 450 Five hundred dollars to you know per ounce um per ounce gold. So as I said, gold's still looking attractive. Um, you might want to see it technically break out, consolidate for a little bit, have another catalyst to push it higher. Uh, but the sector's looking strong, and our domestic gold players are really enjoying it. They've had a fantastic fortnight. Very, very good. Ladies and gentlemen, back over to yourselves. We have actually had a video question that has been emailed in. So let's go to that right now. Hey team, what are your views on nickel this weekend? Where do you think it'll go from here? Thanks. There we had it. All right. I think that's one for Dr. Adam Shedekowski. I know you keep your beady little eye on what's happening with nickel. Tell us well, what's sort of happening in that sort of space at the moment. Yeah, that is quite interesting, actually, what has been happening over the last week. So uh, really what we have been seeing, and that is quite unprecedented, LME stopped trading nickel. Over on Tuesday. So let me just try to break it up, what has been happening and what has caused that. So uh, actually, let's first have a look at the chart. So this one is sh showing within the last year what has been happening. So we see the uh, line at the top is really showing inventories of nickel. And over the last year, they have been going down, down, and down. At the same time, uh, the thicker line, that is the price, and it's going up, up, and up. And the spike at the very end, that's exactly what happened the last week. So I want to I mention three things that really caused this spike. Firstly, what has been happening is that we have the deficit of nickel, so more and more demand, but the supply is not as high. Secondly, what we have been seeing is there was companies, uh, one major company in China that's trying to speculate on the price of nickel. So basically what they said, well, we think the price is so high that it will eventually go down. So what they do in practical terms is actually they're saying they will borrow nickel. They're short. Yeah. So just uh, if, if people are not familiar with borrowing and, and, and options and stuff like that. So let me just try to explain it in broad terms. So basically they're borrowing nickel, they are selling it on the market, and they, ex they were expecting, well, that would potentially push the price down, but it didn't. The price actually kept going up and up, and they kept selling and selling in the amounts of 150,000 tons. If you compare that to the inventories on LME, that's twice that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, and still the price goes up and up and up. And then the third things happen. Then comes the announcement from Russia that, that the, there was an announcement from Putin on Tuesday that potentially they could be cutting off nickel. Wow. So that is, and when, when the big company was uh, shorting um, nickel, there were other people doing the same thing. They're saying, oh, it's such a big player is, is gambling. We will do the same thing. Right. And then comes the announcement from Putin and they're saying, oh, no. Now the price will go even higher when we have this announcement that Putin will stop giving out nickel. So they're saying, let me get rid of this, uh, this position. So what they need to do is they need to start buying nickel, buying, buying nickel so they can close the position and their bets they have been doing. And when that happens, it starts really like, a, you could say, a circle where more and more people are getting scared and starting to close their positions. And this is what is called a short squeeze. And that can put the price in the in the hundreds of percent in a very, very short amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's amazing that that, that that actually happened. I don't think I've ever seen that or very likely to sort of see yeah, that. And now. especially with uh, such a massive commodity, mm. such as nickel, you talk about the GameStop short squeeze, the AMC short squeeze. We we're talking about the whole nickel market uh, got short squeeze. And that was very well explained, Adam, uh, about the short position and how it all implications. And I think a very interesting week for nickel. Um, when you look at the fundamentals of the companies, 
that you know produce it and sell it. Probably not a lot has changed. Hopefully, the wider nickel market can iron out the volatility and uncertainty, and the company in particular, Tsingchang Group, um, can sort out their positions. Uh, but yeah, fascinating week. Nickel. Very, very good question to say the least, ladies and gentlemen. That was currencies and commodities and the events that have shaped them. Now, are you a bull or a bear? Let us know. One three hundred eight five four one five one. Our phone lines are now open. Let's look now at what the best and worst performers from the week were. So what we're going to do is go straight over to Mr. Louis Mossman, and you've got your wonderful chart, so you can tell us what's done well this week and what hasn't done so well this week. Yeah, of course. So I'll bring up the chart straight away for everybody to see. As you can see there, our top performers of the week were real estate, uh, healthcare, consumer staples, and financials as well. So uh, what you could say maybe defensive sectors doing well in a week where the market ended down 0.7% and a week where there was a lot of volatility. As you can see, uh, information technology continues to be an underperformer, hit by the NASDAQ, which down across the world as well. Uh, but I'll go straight over to one company in particular, and that was Nickel Mines, uh, tying it into that nickel sector. And Singtang, the group, which uh, I, Adam just mentioned, they're actually the largest shareholder of Nickel Mines. And uh, obviously, if they need to make up their short positions by buying back all the nickel, what they need to do is make that cash available. And people are speculating that perhaps they need to sell down their position in nickel mines to do so. And from its highs this week, nickel mines is fallen 32%. Um, so a massive hit to the company. And we've also seen a, a lot of other losses across the um, material sector. We had BHP down 5%, Rio down 11% for the week. Um, that's after the announcement that they're pulling out of Russia, all of their operations. And Fortescue Metals also fell 4.5% in what was a pretty lackluster week uh, for iron ore and a lot of those players. And as I said, defensives were the outperformer, consumer staples, healthcare and financials. Uh, and also surprisingly, energy was a little bit softer than expected. Very good. All right, over to Dr. Adam Shedikowski. What's your two cents worth? Where are you seeing opportunity? Either something that's running or something that's on a bit of a dip. Now, keep in mind, his nickname is By the Dip Dam. So, you know. Well, so in broad terms, what, you say. <laughs> well, in broad terms what we have been noticing is there is just so much unpredictable things happening in the market. So, for example, it's so unpredictable something like this will happen with nickel. But actually, we had something similar happening with magnesium last year in September. Within a span of 24 days, the price soared by 100%. Of what, sir? Magnesium. Oh, magnesium. Yeah. So, so what I think is that there will be more and more trend where people want to have more of a safety in terms of assets. They, they want to stockpile. So for what I could potentially see is the construction business in a broader terms could be benefiting from this because pe people want to make sure they have more inventories, make sure they have more stockpiles and of things. So for example, Target was announcing this week that they will be pr uh, having more stores build up and having more inventories build up to provide supply chain uh, guarantees and things like that. So, And I think this is a broader term where people are just feel so unsafe in regards to how things can be delivered and all this volatility could potentially boost the construction market. Very good. All right. Uh, by the dip, Dan, were your two cents worth on it? Or? <coughs> yeah, it's been an interesting week. I think what I'm really looking at at this point in time is I still, I still like the materials and the energy sector. Um, and obviously, we've seen a lot of these commodities slow down. But I guess what we're looking at in terms of businesses is ones that have, I guess, consolidated for some time and uh, looking to explode. Because as Louis was saying, when we do see, I guess, these events continue to unfold, which there is a couple now, obviously, the war um, and, you know, updated inflation across the world. 
I think that sort of really gives these um, businesses the forefront to really explode with it. Something that's maybe pulled back with the market in January, consolidated for a while, has that good potential upside ready to explode as these commodities maybe continue to push forward. I think a good example this week, a business like Red5 did about 20% this week. Yeah, um, gold you know, player. Yeah. Gold player, we have seen gold pull back this week, so it's interesting to see a company like that outperform. But I think there's always people out there in the market looking for that safe haven, and Red5's done very well out of it this week. Yeah, that's a perfect example, I think. You're looking at a commodity, be very strong. Gold's strong. It is down, but it's still very so strong. Exactly right. So you've got to go into the gold sector and find businesses that are going to benefit from that strong gold price but match up on all the other factors that we look at, like their financials and make sure they're breaking out on a technical basis. So when the commodities are strong, the businesses that you find could be even stronger. And I think that's the point you're making there. So I, I, the same as Dan, uh, energy, materials, a lot of those lithium players still looking good, um, both the commodity and on a technical basis. Very good. Well, I think it's high time we got our audience involved. Ladies and gentlemen, do you have a stock that you've been watching for a while? Is it time to buy, sell, or maybe even average in? Take a video and email it through to info at cosec.com.au or send it in a text to 04-229-72897. Tell us what the stock is and why you like it. We're going to track it over the week. The person who tips the best performing stock is going to receive their very own gold-plated Kadari bull and bear cufflinks. But to get things started, we're going to take a look at what the investment panel is looking at the week to come. This is our hot opportunity. Very good. All right, let's get things started. Let's start off with buy the dip, Dan. Are you buying something on the dip this week or are you on a bit of a momentum streak at the moment? We're going to change your name to How High Can It Go, Howie. Oh, yeah, look, see, that's, 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 that's quite funny because his last name's Howie, <laughs> yeah. so How yeah. High Can You Go? Yeah. Uh, you've always got the, the good nicknames. Oh, yeah, try, but I, try, I, try. I think this week, as opposed to last week, I was on the momentum train. This week, as I said, something on a little bit of a dip. Uh, it's been consolidating for some time and I think, like I said, with the underlying assets maybe ready to explode moving forward with this big commodities boom, something that could see some good potential upside. And that is Pilbara Minerals Limited, ticker code PLS. We're all aware of what they do. They're a, a big lithium and tantalum producer uh, and they're focused on the development of their 100% owned project, which is located in the Pilbara region in Western Australia. Now, I Do you call it Pilbara or Pilbara? See, I, I started off calling it Pilbara, and now I hear by, Pilbara. I been, so. yeah, I've been corrected by a very, very stroppy client at one time who said, I never call it by the correct name. And he said so it was... You uh, say Pilbara I said Pilbara. I call Pilbara, but he said it was Pilbara. And or maybe it was the other potato, round. Really, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he but was from Western Australia, so... Whatever. Yeah, I guess you, you need to take his word for it. Absolutely. But, I mean, when we look at lithium, we all know the story. You know, the demand behind electric car batteries, the supply squeeze with lithium. We saw lithium up over 45% alone in January which I think when you talk about commodities is extreme appreciation. But I think the part that I didn't really know until this week is what tantalum is. Now, tantalum is the rarest stable metal, and being a stable metal is to do with um, your chemical buildup, and there's a threshold where you're, I'm not going to get into the chemistry of it, but you need to be above a certain threshold to be a stable metal, and tantalum is the rarest stable metal. Now, we all know what lithium goes into, as I said, electric car batteries. Tantalum, however, has some very high temperature applications, such as aircraft engines, which I thought was quite interesting, but also a lot of other applications across the board, electrical uh, devices such as capacitors uh, and surgical implants as well, such as artificial joints. So I guess when we talk about the applications of their underlying assets quite broad, and I guess all in, in regions or sectors that you know, could experience high growth, obviously electric cars being one of those um, you know, that's increasing at a great rate. Now when we look at, I guess, the institutional valuations, 
behind PLS. Uh, Macquarie and City have a $3.50 price target on this business, which is 20% higher than where they're trading at the moment. And Credit Suisse as well have a $3.20 price target. So that's 20, uh, it's 10% higher than where they're trading at the moment. Now, if we pull up their chart here, we can have a look, as I said, very, very strongly uptrend, uh, uptrending business. They did have a pullback, uh, I guess, in February, along with, you know, the market was pr very volatile. They did pull back there, um, but they've rebounded very nicely, making a higher low uh, towards the north. Uh, the MACDs just crossed positive. The stochastic is also positive as well. Uh, they're trading well above those 200-day exponential and simple moving averages. And as I said, we can see there's good potential upside on that business. I think back to the previous high is about 30%. Uh, and if we can see this commodities boom continue and the price of the underlying assets continue to appreciate, I think Pilbara Minerals is something that could be quite explosive in the short to medium term. Yeah, if you're a fan of MACDs, that certainly looks uh, quite good indeed. Textbook right. cross. Textbook. Textbook indeed. All right, let's go over to Dr. Adam Shedakowski himself. What have you been brewing up there, good sir? What are we looking at this week? Why do we like it so much for the week to come? Yeah, so it's a pretty obvious one. So it's John's Ling Group. So take a call. Now, this is not something that a lot of people are aware of this stock. I mean, I know it's obvious because when you're going to tell us what they do, and that's going to be very obvious, but... Not a lot of people know about this business. Yeah, so the big thing with this business is that it's John's Ling Group Limited, not John Ling's Group Limited. I think I've said that wrong about 30 <laughs> times today because it should, it realistically makes sense to be John Ling's, not John's Ling. <laughs> let's stick to the technical. Yeah, let's yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. G. So uh, basically what they're involved in is construction, engineering, so restoration services, commercial buildings, building services, and construction uh, in general, uh, in particular for commercials. So in the macro news... If you hear about some of the things that have uh, that has been happening, the flood, obviously, and this company is very well known for emer emergency uh, help. So that could be fire, that could be flood damage structures. So obviously, a very good player for that at, the at this moment. So macro, it is very very strong. If we look to financials, we just have an announcement uh, about ten days ago saying some very good strong numbers. So revenue was up over thirty percent year on year. And more interesting, what I think is if you look at their forecasts and guidance into the 2022, that was also ticked up higher with good expectations for prospects into the future. So they, they're really expecting things will be getting even better than it is now. They have also had, have done a couple of uh, acquisitions, acquire other companies. So it's not only their core business, they're expanding and expanding as well. So financials are very, very strong. No inst uh, institutional brokers, but um, let's instead so focus on the technicals because they're also looking really, really positive. So firstly, over the last year, we are seeing a very positive trend. So over 100%, but not only a positive trend, it is a very stable trend. So it's almost a straight line. Uh, so it did retract a little bit over the last couple of weeks or so, but the potential is just very, very strong. Even if you like, look over the last five years, it's just steadily growing and the business is uh, just have so much positive prospects. So well above the 200 moving average, of course, positive stochastics and a strong positive MACD suggesting an explosive momentum. And also it's just pushing the top John Dungeon higher over the last couple of days. So yet another indicator. So this, this company is really well positioned when you look at what is happening in the world to just skyrocket. Very, very good. So that's John Ling's group. Fantastic. Cool, no, 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 no. Not John Ling's group. John's Ling group. John's Ling group. Yeah. Okay, there we go. We got that. We got it correct. All right, let's go over to Louis Mossman now. You have two minutes, good sir. We are running out of time. Give us a very brief analysis of what you're liking out for the week to come. Well, I've already pitched the sector and that's gold. Gold is elevated, it's strong, and it could potentially go higher. So we're in that sector. We're looking at West African resources, ticker code WAF. 
we look at our indicators, we can see fundamentally they've turned positive for the first year in their sales and also in their earnings. And this year they've also paid, in the meantime, down $100 million of debt and also posted a first-time positive return on equity of 54%. Fundamentally, 54. 54%. Fundamentally turned a very wow. strong business the last year. Broker calls. We look at Macquarie Bank. They've got a 15% upside, and that's also very recently, just within the last month. And I'll take you straight to the chart because, as I said, gold's broken out, but same. so is West African Resources. It's posted consecutive, really strong green candlesticks. This week, it's up over 9%. Today, up over 2.5%. MACD positive, stochastic positive, also pushing the top donchin higher. Yes, there might be a little resistance at those previous highs, but if you look at it on a longer term, six months to a year, the trend is in place and the trend is your friend. That's West African Resources. Very good. So West African Resources and we are about out of time. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning into the show this week. On behalf of everyone here at the Coastex Show, we want to wish our clients, friends, family a safe and happy weekend and we will see you next week. My name is William Will Brownlee. This is the Coastex Show.